Welcome to Living Room Therapy. I'm Jacqueline, one of your hosts. I know you're expecting the regular doorman, Dave, to usher you inside, but funny enough, he's the guest. And because I think I can be honest with you, I need you to know I'm a little bit nervous. Because once you hear what he has to say with that sexy voice of his, I'm sure you'll want him to take my spot on the show. Anyway, uh, I hear them starting up in there, uh, so let's go. And we're rolling at three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. Welcome. Awesome. It's cool to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> Ooh, speaking of sausage, Jacqueline, do you want to introduce our guest today? It, it brings me not much pleasure to introduce the doorman, Dave. Oh, boy. Welcome, Dave. Thanks. Thanks. That was cold. All, all I've heard is just mumblings through the door. I've always wondered what happened on this side of the door. It's it just really special that I could be here, um, that you finally opened the door for me, too. So thanks a lot. Uh, I, I've, I've heard rumors that there were, there was quite a bit of debate as to whether this could ever happen. Yeah, basically, you just accidentally left the door ajar <laughs> pushed my way in. No, I want to. I want to express my gratitude because uh, Robert Downey Jr. was a no-show. So you're you're filling in just when we needed a warm body. We couldn't afford him anyway. You're, you're welcome. Your your price is right, Dave. Yeah, well, I haven't uh, quite sent my bill over yet. We'll see if you're able to pay. You get paid in the dark here. You know, one thing I've noticed about our podcast is that we don't really introduce ourselves. We need to have some sort of a way to say. Uh, hi, I'm Reed. I'm the old one. Uh, there's Paul over there. He's the smart one. Here's Jacqueline. He's the, she's the pretty one. Something like that. That works. And the doorman. And Dave. the doorman, yeah. I mean, everyone knows me. The guy you got to get past to get into the living room. Yeah, he's a bookend. That's right. I mean, I, I introduce myself every podcast. They yeah. probably know me more than they know you. Yeah, and you do so well. That's why I, I was one of the... I won't tell you how the voting exactly went, but I was, I was in favor mm. of bringing you in so that we could... Hear more now. Sometimes more of a good thing doesn't end up great, but I have a feeling that in this case, more is indeed going to be more. I do tend to leave people wanting, and I, I like it that way. I don't expose too much in the next uh, little while here. We could talk about the metaphors of uh, doors and doormen and door persons and knobs. Windows into the soul. The knob is the window to the soul. Is that what you said, Paul? I think the eyes are the windows to the soul, I believe, is the quote. Oh, the, the hole in the door with the glass, with the little latch. Are you afraid? Is anybody else here afraid to look through the peephole in a hotel, thinking that there's going to be a hitman that has the wrong room and going to shoot you right through the eye? I just am afraid there's an eyeball going to be staring right back at me. That's happened before. Really? <laughs> to you? Yeah. Some people didn't understand that, that, they, that they're not supposed to look through the door. They thought they could look through. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, there's a device you could use to, like, reverse a peephole, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it somehow, like, magnifies the, the magnification. Or That sounds logical, though, like a camera lens, you know, concave, convex. Well, I have a story back when I was 
A Spy for the Counterculture. So in 1985, I guess, I got a job as an American businessman, which was the last thing I wanted to be. And the only way that I could sleep at night was to promise that I would spy for the counterculture, get inside the machinations of American business, and sorry about the, the motorcycles outside. Can you hear that? I heard something. I heard uh, music of some sort. I thought it was background music for your story. It was a nice it was a nice A tone, but so um, there I am in a hot tub at a hotel on an expense account doing sales management, actually. And I realized that I had lost track of my task of spying and that I was just actually being an American businessman. Mm. And it's quite horrifying. So you actually forgot your secret identity and just took on the identity you were having. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, a psychological term for such things. Stockholm Syndrome, something like that. No, they actually do that with spies. So they, they, they actually try to trick them into uh, forgetting their original identity and just going with their cover from there on out. Is that real? Yeah, it is. I can't remember the name of it, but I just read about it. And that's one of the ways they try to mess people up. You know, get rid of the whole backstory. Like, you don't work for the FBI. You've never worked for the FBI or you never worked for the CIA. You're just whoever this person is. That freaks me out. Yeah, they purposely have done experiments like that. I was reading about it. It's I believe it. It's important. I am watching Sasha Baron <clears throat> excuse me, Sasha Baron Cohen's series on Netflix called The Spy, where he portrays a uh, a Mossad spy and they, they, they go through something like that with him. He's a brilliant actor and writer and director. That's not his new movie, that's some other no, this is his penultimate project, which is a series, not a movie. But I can highly recommend uh, the new Borat movie. Um, it's, it is much deeper than, than you might suspect. Would I have to watch the first one? No, you wouldn't have to. To be scarred watching the first one. <laughs> I don't remember having seen the first one. So I either blocked it out or have never seen it. <laughs> it's possible. Okay, so later in the story, I'm checking into a not a great motel in uh, in Florida, somewhere near Clearwater Beach. And I was saving money. I, I was on a per diem. So any money that I didn't spend on lodging, you see, I could spend other places. And I go to the front desk. I, I have a reservation. Here we go. And he gives me my key. And I go to my room and I open the door and there's already people in there. <laughs> it's cheap lodging. I'm horrified. They're surprised. Nobody got shot. So that was cool. Yeah, it was cheap lodging. Go back to the front desk, uh, and I tell them what happened. They, oh, so sorry. Here you go. Here's a key to a room that's not occupied. Wrong. That room was occupied. Go back to the front desk. Complain. Here's a key. This one. This will be. This will be good. Nothing can go wrong. I said you're coming with me. <laughs> and sure enough, the third one was occupied as well. Wow. Talk about the wheels coming off of an operation. I mean, you'd think that would be kind of the first thing that you'd get right. Maybe bed bugs. Was there anything going on in any of these rooms when you walked in? Was there any good story there? Families watching TV. Oh, okay. Business tycoon with his underwear uh, half off. No hitman. Oh, 
No hitman. I was thinking hotel sex personally, but we all know that, Paul. Of course you were. So so now my the bar is very low for me for when I when I check in someplace. Also, my budget is higher. Did you ever uh, come back around to your original identity and realize that? Oh wait, I'm supposed to be spying for the counterculture. You know, I got so deep into that identity. Once in a while, I'd have a little glimpse. My analytical side would come out and tell myself, oh, this is how corruption happens. Oh, this is how bribes happen. This is the political power within an organization. But I was still playing the game up until I had my, my breakdown that I've talked about before back in, in uh, 06 when I decided to get out, get out of that kind of business and get into um, the therapy business. How much are you getting paid for the counterculture spying? The spying part or the uh, the business part? The spying part. Mm, I was paid in self-respect. So psychic payment. Right. And it sounds like you stopped paying yourself at some point. Well, it didn't take long to figure out that the debt I owed myself to regain my self-esteem was too, was too great. I would never catch up. So I, I stopped sending the checks. I didn't notice that they'd stopped coming. I'm glad you escaped. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. Got rid of your prostitute, right? Yeah. Stop prostituting for the man. This is the point that I've, I've made with you and others, Paul. Maybe, Jacqueline, not with you, Dave. When people say, oh, women and men shouldn't be prostitutes because blah, blah, blah. Just fill in, instead of sex, just say answering a phone for a narcissist. Right. Or selling fuller brushes door to door. Whatever it is, you're selling your soul. You're selling your time. You're selling your energy, your potential your future for money. And there's a stigma attached with selling uh, sex for money, um, but we need to stigmatize the other things too, maybe. And all that's left is therapy. Fortunately for us. Well, I think he's also talking about ignoring his call. And Who else has uh, thought that they were infiltrating, but really weren't? Has anyone felt like a stranger in a strange land in their, in their families, for example? I've never read that book. What's it about? Um... I didn't read it either. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard Billy Joel, the stranger, in, playing on the radio today. So that's where my head went. Oh, very nice. So if we felt like a stranger in a strange land, then what? Well, then you have to make sense out of both ideas. Mm. How do I make sense out of a strange land? And how do I make sense of myself? I don't know if this is right in line what you're talking about. In the... 2012, when I was on that road trip, I had gotten so used to and separated from like the societal routine of getting up and going to a job and coming home and the basic things that we can all count on. I think of it like being untethered and just floating out into space. And I had this like, it happened for a while, slowly at first, but it was really, really terrifying. I remember being out in New Mexico and just feeling so detached from the people around me. When you were talking about being the spy, I really like related to this like spinning out of not knowing who or what I was or why I was. And I don't know, like, it seems like there's something in my experience that relates in some way. I, I wanted to like be this free, unattached thing. 
Like I, I would just take my time out on the road, but rushing here to my parents' house, it was, I just drove like all the way home and just needed to get like some semblance of what reality was. Cause I was not in reality at that point. Grounding. Of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a longing for home. Oh, big time. Have you seen the flight of the navigator? No, I haven't, but it sounds familiar. Okay, so there's this this young boy. He ends up being a part of some like experiment and going off in this flying saucer. He comes back, and they drop him off, and he's so happy to be home. And he goes and he knocks on the door of his his family home, and two strangers answer the door, and they say, "Who are you? you know, what are you doing here?" The only thing that I can think of that really like brings that home of what it felt like being out on the road and being so untethered from what I knew. I wish I had that kind of experience. I've never, I've never had that much free time where I was that alone uh, in terms of, you know, solitude. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting to the point with, you know, one of the few silver linings of this whole experience with COVID is I finally have learned to be by myself and uh, have more solitude yeah. Because normally I'm so extroverted that, you know, I talk to a minimum of a half dozen people per day and I usually see that many or more. And so what was odd to, you know, have like a month to myself and not see any, see very many people for a couple of days on a clip. You know, I don't go on the road by myself typically ever, except for maybe flying somewhere for work. But then I'm at a trade show with 10,000 people. And <laughs> so you're not really alone again. Right. Just don't know anyone, you know. Well, if you're on a journey of self-discovery, by definition, you sort of have to let go of who you thought you were before. And that can really leave you untethered. I think that's the idea of being a stranger, is being a stranger to yourself. One book that I have read is uh, Albert Camus' The Stranger. And he, he says, uh, if something is going to happen to me, I want to be there which would sound absurd to a child, uh, but to people who've questioned who they are, what they were, what they want to be, all those, all those identity questions that we face after childhood, being there is not so simple. Um, uh, John Kabat-Zinn, the, the, the meditation uh, guru, said, wherever you go, there you are. Now I'm back to your James Hollis question list a little bit. You know, how, how have you got here? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are all the things that led you to here? Yeah. I, I'm paraphrasing it. I don't have it right off the top of my head. It's upstairs in my bedroom. I think I might be kind of the opposite of, of Paul in that like, most of my social engagements in my life has, have been taken a part of by, or I've participated almost out of a feeling of requirement to participate uh, and not because I really felt driven to, to be a part of um, that and in COVID, I've noticed a little bit of uh, like I, I enjoyed it at first, not having that responsibility almost, and saying like, you know, I I can stay home and I have a valid excuse to not see anybody and and um, hide away like this and enjoy our new family and and just spending time together, uh, but in the recent weeks or months where things have opened up a little bit and and there's opportunity to kind of 
have your bubble of people that you see occasionally and social distance with. And like, I've looked forward more to seeing people than I really expected. (laughs) Um, And it's almost, and and I've also taken steps during um, this time to reach out to people more. And whereas before I would never have texted friends out of the blue or um, kind of, reached out for that connection in in most ways like i i do hunger for that kind of connection it's just in normal society i'm already overwhelmed by connection that i at every opportunity i avoid it um and so i I think that's kind of a, a surprise to myself too that there's um ways in which I do enjoy socialization that perhaps I would have thought I was so extremely introverted that 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 wouldn't be possible. Can can we do a plug for your app that you created for yourself right now? <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right. We finally have a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I'm not sure who's going to have to sponsor who here. <laughs> Although I'm using it more and more for more and more uses. I wrote a small script to basically choose a random person from a contact list to assign to me to reach out to uh, whenever I run the application. And and it started with a once a week thing and then it became twice a week. And now it's every day, basically, I, I run this script. Wow. It randomly picks from a list of, uh, I think there's about 10 people on it now, just to kind of prime myself to, to stay connected and reach out. And, and they're people that I wanted to intentionally either stay close to or become closer to. Uh, and it's worked for some people and it hasn't worked for other people. Um, but in in general, it it works for me because I I need that uh, I need that like intentional excuse to talk to somebody. Um, I can make a bunch of excuses not to uh, stay connected and and not to text somebody just because I'm thinking of them or or want to say hi. But when this this application assigns me a person to talk to, that's enough of a nudge in the right direction to kind of make me do it. And you've increased the frequency. Yeah. 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 I've increased the who's on the list. And then I've also increased the frequency. Because like, I was getting disappointed that certain people weren't picked off in enough. Oh, yeah. So he, <laughs> tell him that. You weighted it more to certain people's favor, right? Yeah. So I, I've, I've added some features like certain people are more likely to get chosen. Um, but then it also omits people who I have talked to very recently so mm-hmm. someone who is chosen is not going to choose that same person for the next day or two days that um, makes sense super interesting and you said it doesn't work for some people what do you what do you mean by that i had this hope that it would turn into a way for me to be more connected to some of these people but if i text them occasionally then they would text me occasionally and, and out of the blue and and some people like are definitely talking to me more often. And I notice that just random texts from those people and other people respond very happily whenever I 
whenever I message them, but don't necessarily take the, their own initiative. And then other people don't respond at all. Mm. And so that's okay. <laughs> what do you notice about the people who haven't responded more? Is there anything, like reason why you can think of? Not really. I think the people who who haven't are people that I wasn't quite as close with at the beginning of the process. And so it's people who maybe were, I was great friends with them in high school. And just over the years, it became less and less frequent that we would communicate. And then me just starting to randomly text them once a week <laughs> didn't really trigger that old high school friendship. Um, yeah. And, and then there's, there's other people who um, have been more, more responsive. It seems like it would be nice to have that answer. I know there's certain people in my life I would potentially want to have that relationship back that we once had, but I don't know if it's possible. But to, for you, you've got that answer. In, in this way and in a lot of ways, um, there's relationships that are more one-sided than the other. and One person puts more energy into it. And sometimes that's okay. And sometimes that's not okay for the people who are involved in the relationship. And, and so... I think it's part of a like decision process of mine of like, you know, when this person comes up in the roulette wheel, do I keep messaging them or do I remove them from the list? Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. And at some point, I'll probably remove them from the list until I get to that point of, you know, me reaching out and updating them on my life once every couple of weeks becomes more of a, a tax than a, a joy. Uh, I'm I'm very interested in why you went down the random path because I have a I have my own little list of people that I reach out to and I try to do it on a monthly basis. I don't have a formal day of the week, but I do know that some of my friends are you know more introverted versus extroverted, as well as depending on the time of day I hit them. Uh, when I say hit them, I mean text them. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they, they could be very. And I only had one friend say this to me, but, you know, certain times of the day, it's just not good for me to pop into their text list. And I even shut off my phone and put do not disturb on certain times to try to focus. I actually texted one of my friends today. She's not a close friend, but we text thing and she was just telling me that she hadn't had her coffee and like she was just trying to gear up for the morning. And so it was a pretty brief, you know, that really depends on the day, it feels like versus the weekends, you know, certain hours are much more likely to get a text back and other times you know some people just don't answer you and there's always this excuse where some people say oh i thought i texted you back or it's got stuck in my thing and you know some people use that excuse i don't know how many times with me mm -hmm. and <laughs> it gets old but you know yeah and then there's definitely people who i've noticed patterns like that and um and then that's different i think than some of the, the other people that a couple of people i i, I do this through email and, and some people I, I do text with if it's someone who I talk more frequently with or it makes more sense to have like quick back and forth and, and like a chat. One of the people who has, has kind of stopped responding was one of the people who I email with and previously he would respond maybe a week later I would get a re email response and there was one person that I noticed like whenever they would come up I would email them they would email me back almost immediately and then I wouldn't reply until they came back up on the list of people to message. <laughs> and so, like, that seemed a little insincere of me to, like, trigger these types of conversations with someone I really want to get to know better and then rely on this application to tell me when to talk to them next. 
Perhaps the next feature will be a an automatic replier that, that when they're not up to the top of the list, you, in quotes, says, uh, oh, I'm eager to uh, chat with you back soon. Yeah, I mean, if, if the thing could just text and email people itself and take me yeah. out of the loop completely, like, that yeah. would probably be the best. You guys, Ex- this exists. My brother told me about it. It's an app. You can basically decide frequency, what you want to say on what date, and it'll automatically send these text messages. Will it sound like me? <laughs> no. Uh-huh. It will. It'll yeah. be what, exactly what you want to say. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I knew there was dating apps that would text people things that would automatically text people good morning and other things, which I found incredibly like insincere. But My brother, d- well. I think you just outed yeah. him. I know that's why I paused, but um, I, I thought about doing that uh, on our moving day. We had a running thing during our move that uh, most couples get divorced during the move. And so I set an alarm on my phone to go off every hour to then remind Jacqueline that we weren't going to get a divorce that day. <laughs> uh, and I thought of setting up a little algorithm that would automatically text her the same thing so that I wouldn't have to say it. That's pretty cool. I made up a, a figure at the beginning of the day that 40% of couples get divorced during moves. I, I, I have no idea what the figure is, but um, <laughs> I knew it was going to be stressful. I knew that I uh, would turn into a controlling freak, and I did. Mm. But we made it somehow. But we made it. Because Dave I, just I kept telling it. you just kept telling me you love me. And you <laughs> just said, we're not getting divorced, Jacqueline. We're not getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Has anyone heard of the Dunbar's rule? Or Dunbar's number, I'm sorry. I don't think so. Mm-mm. It's basically an equation that says how many people you can keep in social contact with. And basically, um, I'm going to make up the thing because I don't remember the exact numbers. But like, you can have like five really close friends. Then you could have maybe 15, then 50, then 100, then 150. And then it starts to really break down at some level. A key thing that they found is some people, when they, for example, get a new spouse. So Jacqueline and Dave, when you get together, uh, very often the spouse takes up more than one slot of the friends. So some friends fall away. And, uh, you know, I've noticed that just in my, some of my friendships, um, that that happens where, you know, you might've been the person's BFF, but you know, their spouse comes in the picture and all of a sudden, you know, you're not, you had a couple kids and then you're further pushed out. Um, and people get busy with, you know, just job and other things. But it's really interesting to just think about, you know, because I keep my list at approximately 30 people, 15 male and 15 female, and I'm kind of hardcore on that. Those are the sort of the people that I think I can um, reach out to and keep in contact with. And obviously, some friends I've had for over 40 years and other ones I've had more recently. Um, but otherwise, if you get too many, then you end up just diluting yourself and you just don't have enough bandwidth to keep up those friendships. And, you know, friendships ebb and flow, you know, but uh, to try to just touch them because if you lose touch with people uh and like i'll use an example of one of my friends uh my friend denise uh both her parents died within a short period of time and at the time we weren't in close contact and i felt really bad about that because it was just you know somebody i've been friends with for almost 30 years but you know a couple months where i was busy and she obviously had a lot on her plate too and um so when i found out that i felt like i really wasn't there for that person yeah, I think I've heard that concept before, how many people you can be close with. I'm looking at the uh, the diagram here. He's got a uh, an equation. Group size N equals five times 
r times 3, where r equals the relationship strength, and n is the number of relationships. So, so Paul, yeah, well, you start with five close friends, that's according to him, and then that gets multiplied times approximately 3, assuming the same relationship strength all around. So that's your super family, 15 to 20, uh, outside the five. Friends, intimate relationships. And then the next circle is 45 to 50, which is your clan, your acquaintances. And then outside that, multiply times another three, and that's 150. That's your tribe. That sounds right. I think I could definitely use this to improve my application. Absolutely. I think it's a, I think it's a great idea, you know, especially if you can do the weighted uh, things. Because I right. do think the five versus the 15 versus 50. Yeah. And I did have a friend who used to... You know, just roll through his, uh, his contacts and wherever it stopped. And one day this guy called me and it's somebody I just worked with at Microsoft. And I was like out of the blue that he called mm -hmm. me, but he told me, he goes, I'm Randy. He goes, he goes, I do this, you know, once a month I randomly do this and, uh, invited me to lunch. And I'm like, sure. It just happened to work. <laughs> so I was sort of shocked because I hadn't seen the guy in a couple of years, but it was good. So I think my, my question is for, for each of you, uh, where do I fall on your list? Am I part of the five or the, the, 25 or the 150. <laughs> I know I'm just the doorman, but uh. you're connected to Jacqueline, and Jacqueline's obviously very important to me and Reed. Um, you know, but you're relatively, I'm just going to say this for me, you're relatively new in my circle, per se, where Jacqueline's been there uh, much longer. That's the thing is that, uh, you know, you, you spouses uh, and sometimes friends come along with our friendships. So let's say that I let's say that I do only have five close friends. You, Paul, and Jacqueline would be among those five. I think I have more. I think I have more than that. Uh, the next circle would be fifteen to twenty, which is the super family. I think I have more than that. Dave, even though you and I don't spend very much time together, when we do, so that's the that's the closeness of the relationship. It's not about frequency, but it's about simpatico. Mm -hmm. And so sitting with you and Jacqueline, the last time I can remember was was at the Italian restaurant near my house. And, and Green Lake, just for the walk. Oh, I... of course, of <laughs> course. I'm sorry. I like, I enjoy listening to you two talk to one another. Yeah. You sound like you... Like, could have been just old friends. Yes. And you could compare how close I behaved uh, with you and with Laura. And and certainly, Dave was no more distant than, sure. than e either of those. Right. Evelyn, I'm still on the fence about. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. She, she has to yeah. prove herself. She's got, like, two more weeks till she's a year. I mean, anything under oh. a year, it's like they don't really exist yet. That is unimaginable that yep. you gave birth 50 weeks ago. Been a while. Yeah. So there are those friends that you live far away or that don't aren't into contact or whatever. Mm -hmm. When you when you are with them or are talking with them or emailing with them, it's just like old times and it's. It's close. Is, is there a, a portion of this calculation that is like a quality of your personality that either increases or decreases from the five? So I could see certain people who maybe 
could maintain many more than five and, and others who maybe maintain many less than five as the close friends. And Dunbar probably wrote a book, so it's probably a, a chapter. Uh, and, and it's probably more about not, not quality of personality, but about extroversion versus introversion. Yeah. Um, I, one thing I wanted to say way back when you first started talking about the, the lockdown is that introverts in in my observations have benefited two ways from this quarantining uh the first one is all right i'm not forced into being saturated with socializing and then the second one is after when the gate is all shut down there's no socializing you realize oh i do i do get benefit you you said it already yourself i do need some socializing i just didn't notice it before because i was i was habituated to it mm-hmm. paul did you want to add something to that it looks like you did i'm i'm, I'm sorry i'm a, i'm a conversation behind but i uh, I did want to add something about relationships. And so I can't remember where I read this, but it talked about, you know, how relationships get built. And it was actually from either an FBI or a CIA guy who said how he built counterintelligence relationships. But it also applies. He wrote a book again about general relationships. And so what he talked about is there's four things that basically determine about relationships. One is proximity. How often do you see somebody? So he talked about how he built relationships with a Russian guy by just walking to the same convenience store every day or walking by him and the, the guy eventually got comfortable with them. So that's his proximity, how often you see them. Then there's a frequency associated with that, how many times per week or, or how many times you talk on the phone. And then it's a duration, how long you talk on the phone or how long your conversation is with the person. And then lastly, it's intensity. You know, if you don't see somebody very often, you have to, you know, you better have some intensity or some duration to it. So like when I get together with my high school friends, even though I don't see them all the time, you know, we'll spend, you know, a whole night together or, or, or days together or go on a trip every few years together. And so that, that way we keep up our relationship. Um, versus there's some friends here I just have lunch with and it's a casual one hour lunch. It's, you know, it's not very, uh, intense. And other people, we have very deep conversations. Imagine that, you know, if you want to think about us, how do we build our relationships, right? We saw each other in class all the time. So we basically were close by in class. So we had both proximity and frequency. Then we had duration. We went on a road trip together. If you think about all the voice dialogue we did and all the different uh, talking that we did, we had some intensity too as far as our experiences on the road. So that really cemented our relationship. Right. The first three are pretty mechanical, whereas the fourth one is much more spiritual or um, about uh, um, the, the fit yeah, we wouldn't have had, if we were just talking about the weather and just about playing I Spy. We probably wouldn't have had the same relationship, but because we got into deep topics, well, because we shared similar interests. If we'd all been weather freaks, that's good. We were storm chasers. That, you that always would... bring you always bring back <laughs> counter arguments about you. This all makes me think of the Gottman's work and when we get into relationships and we get into like a six, what the success or failure of a relationship is and how paramount their work was um, regarding specifically with bids. I was just looking it up and I think it's a five to one ratio. So the amount of like successful, Hey, look over there. And if, if I accept the bid or reject the bid, basically. Right. Or if you just, there, so there's three, like either accept, reject, or there's just kind of a neutral, you kind of just shrug your shoulders. 
I would, and I, I think I've been thinking about this in terms of not just romantic relationships, even though that's what their work was for, but even just uh, looking at why with certain people I, I struggle in those friendships. And maybe I've thought, well, they don't like me or I, you know, like I could interpret it in any way, but um, like I have certain people where like I'll text them and they just won't text me back. And there's a failed bid right there. You know, that doesn't serve for a healthy relationship. Bid for connection with a stranger is probably different than a bid for connection with a friend. You know, like, I mean, I think a bid is a bid, right? So a bid is just a engage with me in this moment. And that's how we start from the very get go, right? That's how we all became friends is, hey, who's going to go on the road trip? Um, The quality maybe wasn't there of what you guys were also talking about the intimacy of it. But like with each one of those successful bids that are met, yes, 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 yes. Now it's just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, the compliment I would give you, uh, Jacqueline, would be just the fact that you were able to engage on a on a level, um, because when I met you, I think you were like probably in your late 20s, early, you know. Yeah, mid, late 20s, I forget. Mid, yeah. mid, mid, late 20s. And so, but you were able to converse at a much more mature level than a lot of other people your age. Well, as you remember, we invited everyone to go on the road trip. I naively thought everybody's going to want to. How are we going to get enough vehicles Um, based on, hey, we're all interested in in psychology and personality and therapy and in self-exploration and knowing somebody else. Um, But that was so naive, so narrow, because then you have to take into account trust. Uh, everybody's had their trust violated somewhere along the line, but the degree is, is really important when it comes to making a leap like that. Going to lunch with somebody is a big step for, for semi strangers, uh, going on a road trip. Um, Paul, as risk averse as you are, you must've made the calculation that, you know, what's the worst that, that could happen. I, I could take these two. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that risk averse about, about a lot of things. But, okay, all right. Yeah. So so we narrow down the the candidates, right? Uh, based on trust, risk, uh, curiosity, um, all of that. And but it was still a crapshoot. We didn't know. We knew that we were interested in uh, everything that a, a grad student should be interested in if they're studying psychology and in a helping profession. Um, but there were people that if, let's say there were, there were adventurous people in that cohort out of the 15 of us, if they had come along, what a disaster that could have been. For them or us? Well, just the fit, Mm. you know, they might've thought that it was one thing. We didn't know exactly what it was. You know, we had, we had some interesting, uh, conversations in that class where we would look at each other like, this person uh, is from a, another world. Going back to the stranger in a strange land, you know that that's about uh, you know a human being uh, that was I think born on Mars and then moved back to the U.S. Moved back to right. The so Earth, he's seeing right? humanity through through these alien eyes, which allows us to see ourselves freshly. Is what Highline was going for, I think. But. And it's on my list. It has been for a long time. Yeah, mine too. I thought it was Heinlein, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't read much science fiction. 
we could write a little uh, science fiction about our Joshua Tree experience or our Shasta experience. We could, you know, add a little twist to it and bring in some different beings or perhaps some mystical experiences. It could easily fictionalize some things. Taking some Mississippi mud and going for a... It's the name of the weed that Reed's cousin was growing in California. Mississippi mm. mud. I can't believe you remember that. I couldn't. I, I knew I heard it somewhere. It's probably in Reed's journal for sure. Probably in a journal. <laughs> yes. His, his mother has died. Did I tell you that? Mona? Yes, she told us that. That's sad. Yeah. Speaking of um, that time period, I was telling Dave that we should do this uh, rejection challenge. So it's 100 days of going into situations and being rejected. Day one is to borrow $100 from a stranger. Uh, Dave doesn't want to do that one. So we went to day two, and you have to ask for a refill for your burger. He is all (laughs) about asking for a refill for his burger. So we might start with day two. Um, but it definitely reminded me of some of our challenges on the road. And mm-hmm. I was telling him that I had been, uh, I don't know if it's a dare, but it was more of. It was a dare. Yeah, it's a dare. <laughs> okay. I was dared to ask for a pitcher of gin and tonics. And we don't, in, in Washington State anyway, you don't get a, a pitcher of gin and tonics. Yeah, there's, Dave t- there's plenty of bars in Georgia and Florida <laughs> where you could order that on the menu. So, so yeah, I was oh, really wow. scared to do that at the time. but. Um, I, I also told, uh, Dave that Paul wouldn't say Eureka. Was it say Eureka in a excited Eureka. voice? Yeah. In oh, Eureka. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the things that we just are yeah, scared to do. Thresholds. Do you remember that one? Uh, I think it was the gin and tonic waitress who wanted to come with us. My memory's not perfect though. <laughs> well, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a plot line right out of easy rider, you know? Well, oh yeah, she did want to come on the road with us. I do yeah, remember that. She definitely did. Yeah. Which, you know, of course, everyone hits on waitresses too. So who knows? Maybe she was hitting on us. We'll never know. Who was the person's house we stayed in that had uh, Larry's girlfriend? Larry's girlfriend. Yes, but what was yeah, her name? She is also dead. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, Wait. he was disappointed when her children froze him out of the will. She had some really cool stuff at her house so she had the a door from what movie from a buster keaton movie or something sure her family was connected uh to hollywood and and their and, golf court yeah, they, was used in like american president or some yeah, it movie was. It was, it had this seal on it which was from cool. frost nixon oh frost nixon there you go yeah yeah it was interesting but i'll, I'll go back to um oh you're it was monica who dared us to get a photo with a guy named bob any Bob, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So here we are at Reed's <laughs> family's house, and there's he's not even attached to the family at all. His name's Bob. Just a friend of, of Mona's. Friend named Bob. So Reed, Paul, and I get a photo with Bob. Now tell me tell the rest of the story, Reed. <laughs> well um, Mona is uh, from Arkansas. She's a little bit old school, a little bit iconoclastic, but her mate at the time, he's also dead. Um, it's not funny. He was uh, quite wealthy, and she didn't want to rock the boat because 
she was a was a real estate worker. What do you call them? Realtor. Yeah, but you know, she she her her business partnership with him was important to to maintain stability. By us paying attention to this rando Bob and getting our picture taken with him, Mona flipped out and said we should be getting our picture taken with her sugar daddy. With the owner of the home. Like, this is the... Yes, this mansion on a golf course. Patriarch of the, yeah, the not house. this nobody. Yeah, this nobody. Right. And we said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take a picture with him too. <laughs> not good enough. The damage was done. It, it was a little strange, to be fair. And then we were also drinking vodka smoothies, too, which was also very, very healthy, all fresh fruit, but filled with vodka. And her and her son was there, Larry Bob. Yep. Uh, who grew the Mississippi who, mud. Could you not have taken a picture with him? Oh, we got pictures with him. Okay. Yeah, sure. Don't worry. And that didn't That doesn't count, though. Not like Bob did. Larry Bob doesn't count. You mean start with the patriarch? No. Well, he said Larry Bob. I mean, Bob's his middle name. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> I forgot about that. That would have counted. But there's all, there were lots of ways to disrupt uh, Mona. Um, and her son was somewhat of a disappointment to her. And so I think anything associated with with the younger generation kind of taking control in a social setting. I think that reminded her of, man, he has rebelled and she doesn't like anything that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was, it was a complicated family dynamic. Now we need to point out that the, that the patriarch, first of all, his hearing wasn't great. His eyesight wasn't great. He had diabetes. It was in a wheelchair. He did not give a shit who we took pictures no, of. No, not at all. He wasn't and even so, really there. I mean, so it was all like, her projecting. Um, so it, it was educational. So would you ask a stranger for $100? Yeah. Yeah. If it was a task that you gave me, of yeah, course. it's a task that I'm giving all four of us. You know, if I had a <laughs> random wheel that I could spin and it told me that <laughs> maybe I would. One of the therapeutic interventions that I used to do with uh, anxious clients is the high five uh, exercise. We would go out together either on the sidewalk or in a grocery store and the instruction that I would give to the client is you got to high five every stranger that you encounter. And I'll do if we want to alternate, I'll do it with you or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this with you. And they were really terrified to do this. And I prepared them that, you know, it's some, it's some of the exchanges will be uh, comfortable and some of them will will not will be not. And that's going to be OK, because mm-hmm. that's that's the way scary things are. And, uh, and it was fascinating to see how uh, these strangers would react. Some loved it and were <laughs> delighted. Some were frightened. And then some we were invisible to. It was as if they were protecting themselves by dissociating from the, from the scene. That sounds like most of my experiences with uh, therapy, too. So I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. So I found a picture of Bob. <laughs> oh, you're doing the important work here, Paul. You're amazing. Yeah, so is it okay if I share it? Of course. Yeah, he'll never know. Can you see? 
And there's my there's my Hawaiian shirt from uh, from our our album cover. There oh. we go. <laughs> That's Bob. Which one? This guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurt. That hurt. Okay. Good job. That's amazing, Paul. That's in front of the door. door. Nice. That's a door. Oh, you know what that door is? That Rudolph Valentino's door from a movie. There you go. And then there's there's Jacqueline by this famous door. Mm-hmm. There's Reed again by the door. Me Everybody's by the door. The door oh, there's the President of the United States seal for the car- golf cart. If if you compare that to the real seal of the President of the United States, is it accurate or is there a... Yeah, it's accurate. Wow. Relatively. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a decal, of course. Then there's a bunch of windmills. <laughs> And we went sure. hiking okay, so up in this mountain. Do you have an idea of what Larry Bob's going to look like? Thin. Okay, keep going. Kind of scraggly hair. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> keep going. Glasses. What does his teeth look like? Messed up. Okay, go. Keep going. See if I, can find, I gotta see if I can find Larry. I don't know. I'm trying to find a picture of him. There's his cats. Who's that? I remember. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have these pictures? Wow! Oh, you don't even remember this, Jacqueline. There's also one you when you if you waiting in the water too. Oh, so I remember sorry, that. I, I have that. I didn't realize these were all in here because I was just clicking through. <laughs> them. So I, I think I'm going to stop right now. Let me see if I can go back. I don't. I'm afraid what I might find. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to find Larry Bob. Keep going. Why you're so embarrassed about this one of you laying down? Can you see it now? He's right here. Yeah, zoom in. There you go. There Perfect. you he's go. He's got the hair. He's got scraggly hair. What a you know? face. That is a stealth face. Johnny's F5. There you go. Whoa. Did you know that? What in the hell? How is he wearing that? I don't remember him wearing that either. What is that? What in the holy hell? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that either. Wow. This is like one of those Bernstein Bear things. You bring Dave up to speed. Okay, Dave. Here's the deal. Growing up in Gig Harbor, Dave... Um, my dad spent a lot of time in Tacoma doing business. He would take customers and suppliers to lunch and he would take them to a really cool old school restaurant down on the, on the water, mm-hmm. uh, called Johnny's dock. When he would want to take the family out to a, a decent restaurant, he would take us and we would spend, so we spent a lot of time there. And there were, just because of the family dynamics, sometimes it would go well, sometimes it wouldn't. I don't know if it was on the, on the way back from this trip or probably more likely that the Shasta trip. Uh, and I said, hey, before we go back to our normal lives, um, uh, how about if we stop for lunch? And so we went to Johnny's Dock and I told them all about my, uh, talked about my dad and I wept. And uh, it was great to be <laughs> to be with 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 clo- with close friends and to kind of um, get new attachments to that restaurant. But anyway, for some reason, Larry Bob has a hoodie with the logo of Johnny's at Fife on it, and it's just it's just one of those psychic connections that uh, makes no sense and we don't understand. Mm-hmm. It was very touching to be at Johnny's in Tacoma with Reed and having him tell stories about his dad. And I felt yeah. very close and like like it was a bonding moment for sure. So when are you going to come see our new house? Um, when 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 am I invited to? Uh, in two weeks. Sounds good. 
I, I don't remember Paul being invited there. She was she was just talking to me, Paul. That's okay. Saturday I'm free all day. What time you guys just want to come over whenever you want? By you guys I mean just read. <laughs> <laughs> How about noon? Yeah. Noon? Yeah. Okay. Paul? Am I invited now? Yeah, you're invited. <laughs> I bring food, so you'll let me in. That guacamole you buy from the store. I did bring Girl Scout cookies, I think, last time, didn't I? And we ended up taking two boxes from you, I believe. You tried to give us the one, and we grabbed the other as well. It's all good. What else? We covered a lot of ground. We sure did. I agree. I think I brought a lot to the table here today. You sure as heck did. I think we only scratched the surface with you, Dave. Whoa. But this this app sounds good. We should definitely promote it. I think I this agree. has got some potential. Has a little side hustle. Yeah, you thought I would be uh, I would be like, advertising on your show, but I, I think you should really uh, promote <laughs> my app instead. So is the is the app on the App Store yet, or on the uh, Android Store? Right now, it's just a Python script. So it's oh, it so. a little bit of funding before I can really expand it into something that could go on. The okay, app Store. I like the idea. I like. Is it available for download to friends and family? I did make one for one of or one of uh, Jacqueline's friends, but uh, I, I never actually got the go ahead to give it to her. So, mm. Paul, you're really good about checking in on me. You just say I'm thinking of you, or how's it going, or something. Much better than I am in your direction, but I do it some, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. I don't have I don't have any issues. I think this app has potential, though. I I, I do like the idea of weighted and. Uh, you know, if it could somehow fit, you know, the the, the Dunbar's number in there, I think I think this could really be a combination of scientific and it could be a really good app to, you know, maintain relationships. And if you think about people's mission of closer, deeper, more uh, keeping in contact with friends and family, I think it could be huge. You know, you sort of segment it out between friends and family, a little different algorithm, brothers versus cousins. I think the, I think you got. I actually think you have something here. It's just a matter of of uh, figuring out which feature functionality and what you can charge for it, and whether or not it's subscription-based or or it's a one-time purchase, you know, leaning towards subscription-based for a, a revenue stream for you and Jacqueline that's ongoing. But yeah, that do you think Dunbar would write a blurb for me? I think he would. Yeah, you guys could partner for yeah. sure. He might even, I, I don't know if he's alive or not, <laughs> but uh, on, a, on, a, on a different note, though, I do think, you know, if you could add another feature functionality, and I, ha- I have it for you already, you make sure that you text people on their birthdays. That'd be another huge thing, especially people who aren't on Facebook, etc. Mm-hmm. I think you could really um, have something there too. Is you know, you add you add that extra thing of making sure you don't forget the big days, your yeah, birthday definitely. anniversary, and you know, it could, it could be really could be really good. You know, and, you know, if it if it helped me, I'd be willing to pay you know X dollars per year. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you, you you start paying that money, and I'll I'll send you my Python script. Okay. <laughs> okay well, does it have a nice user user interface? Start or? there. Yeah, it, the terminal. You just open up the terminal and you run it. Okay. So okay. I remember I'm just a finance guy. who worked <laughs> at Microsoft. I'm not I'm not a Python coder. Coder. Though my son, my son is. So maybe your your son can uh, be part of this uh, endeavor as well, and. Uh, this is sort of a side note here, but we'll have to wait and see because if Microsoft comes through with an offer, my son's going there. But my son got an offer to uh, intern with Amazon down in Denver, 
Cool. This, uh, this uh, summer. So, so yeah, That's so we're waiting. We're waiting on Microsoft to see if Microsoft comes through because he's got a girlfriend in Seattle. But otherwise, he's going to Amazon in Denver. Is is that a remote? Um, it's, it's a remote team, and I'm not sure if it's going to be in Denver or if it's going to be in Seattle. Actually, but it's the team that actually does remote work. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're working from home till at least the end of June. He might be in Seattle either way. Yeah, I know. That's what we think too. But yeah. I'll, I'll let him know that, that he's going to be starting likely in, in Seattle then. Yeah, probably. Of course, I'm a little biased toward my alma mater, obviously, mm-hmm. even though they're not sponsoring us, right, Reed? That's they're sponsoring me. I, I, did, <laughs> did you not get the, the stipend? Oh, okay. It was a 50-50 well, thing, Reed. Don't say anything. on the Eisten pay. Hey, you. Speaking of apps and communication, you know I'm off Facebook because it it's just it's a fire hose of of time wasting in for for me. Yep, and but I do like little tidbits like hey, it's your birthday. I'm glad you were born. Um, or and j- just with a select few, not with a million quote unquote friends. But I am friends with Ashton Kutcher. I've bragged about that before, right? Somewhere, I don't know where I saw it, the internet, TV, I don't, I don't remember. But Ashton Kutcher said, hey, I want to be your friend. I want to text. This is my real phone number. Uh, let's text each other. And so it is his real phone number. But, of, of course, it's not his personal phone number. But it's for the purposes of whatever he decides the purpose to be. And so he'll send a video now and then he'll send some sort of self promotion where he wants you to buy something. He'll, he'll, he'll be doing an auction. He'll make a doodle. He's auctioning it off. It'll go for $10,000. So you're kind of in his life, but not overwhelmingly. I just got, so, so, so the last one I got from him was, uh, October, October 5th, October 9th, 10th. Anyway, here's the latest one. He sends this cute little thing like you would send on Instagram or Facebook or anything else. I don't know if it will read. There he is. Can you read that? Relative importance in 2020 so far. Oh, yeah. That's actually a famous drawing. Uh, the, the sweatpants are worth so much. Yeah. What's the crazy one with uh, mask? That's mask. Okay. Toilet paper, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's too good to not have gone around on Facebook and everywhere else. But anyway, it's my buddy sent that to me, and, you know, that meant a lot. Yeah. That was very kind of him to let you know uh, kind of what you should be investing in. Do you know who he's dating now? No. Who? I don't know. I was just curious. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about stuff like that. I, I'll say sup, and he'll say sup, and I'll say chillin', and he'll say cool. But really, you guys gotta watch uh, the new Borat movie. It'll be it it'll be fine. They uh, uh, Dave he'll catch you up uh, at the end of the last Borat movie. He disgraced Kazakhstan, hmm. and so you see his punishment for that. Uh, he begins the movie in prison, hmm. and uh, so he has a chance for redemption. And there is a wonderful Bulgarian actress that plays his daughter in this. That's just magnificent. What, what else uh, has she been in that, that I might know? Only in foreign films. Oh. Yeah, nothing. No American films. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so she has a tremendous range. She speaks a lot of Bulgarian, pretending it, that it's 
Kazakh. Is that what they speak in Kazakhstan? Mm-hmm. Um, he's speaking Hebrew and Polish jumbled together. That's supposed to sound like like her language, and so it's a lot of it is subtitled. So be be forewarned. Speaking of foreign actors, Reed, we were supposed to get together at Matt with Max at some point. So oh, that's right. Because he's you know running around the Ukraine, he really wants to talk to us. Okay, well, yes. new, we could have him new. as a guest. That would be fun. We should do that. <laughs> Look at his eyes, Paul. Could your eyes get any bigger? Oh my god, I love it when you get excited. Um, yes, I think we can. I, I'm I'm not available that day. Um, I have other things. So I'm not going to be able to doorman for you. Uh, what are you I, talking I about? You guys will be happy to hear that my 11 to 1 uh, horse in uh, in race 10 at Grant's Pass just came in fourth. Oh, Son bummer. of a gun. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Am I right? That's right. We were at Grant's Pass, weren't we? Yeah. Yes. You guys want to come? Uh, how, how do we uh, sign off with Dave? Is it we just kick him out? Yeah, we can just, and then he can do his own little. We can thank Dave for all his time and effort that he's put Thanks in for all your time and friend. effort, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, thank you. I mean, uh, so he did. sounds very professional. I have to say, I was shocked when I found out it was Dave. It was so good. I thought you had actually paid for, you know, between the, the quality logo you've come up with, between the music, and then Dave. I think, you, you know, I should be wearing a suit and a tie just to try to, you know, make up for that, you know, for the quality. <laughs> Set up with ACDC. I think you guys should go to TVG and, and place a couple of bets on this uh, this uh, race in in Australia. I will. Um, I think that's is. where Rotting Hill was. Lobin Hood. Lobin Hood. <laughs> this is <laughs> ironic that the two therapists are betting on the ponies. I just bet a dollar on two different horses. I like Freddy's. Oh, Freddy's Eddie's. It's, not a, good. it's a lot of horses. Zumarango on uh, horse twelve, and uh, yeah, and 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 Freddy Eddie. Do you do win a place or what do you do? I, I always bet to show, but I try to pick s- some long odds. So, so okay, I like it, I like to know. be an Indian dancer. Okay, so I'm gonna bet that one to win. Oh yeah, Dave, you get to pick one now. Paul, I will bet. I will bet a horse for you for a dollar for free. Would you okay? like to be win play show? Let's do win. Win. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Do you like Ralph's Folly, Paul, at thirteen to one? <laughs> did you Did okay. you guys say goodbye to Dave yet? Indian dancer. No, I can't. I can't say goodbye yet. Okay. Yeah, I'm still here. Oh. McNair. How about <laughs> Paul McNair, Aurelian, <laughs> Lord Nova, Tiger on Fire, Tip Top, Tiger on Fire. Okay, nine to one. Should we go up and have them see? Okay. Or, or, we got to say goodbye to Dave, though. Goodbye, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. It was it was unmentionably wonderful having you here. Please come back soon. Definitely. I'll be sitting by the phone or by the door. <laughs> hey again, I'll see you out. Did you enjoy yourself? I sure do hope so. On behalf of Reed, Jacqueline, and Paul, I want to thank you for your time. I've heard there's going to be some pretty awesome folks stopping by. For more information, check out Living Room Therapy on Facebook or Instagram. And we hope to see you soon. The world like I should.